podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Gallagher Shots YouTube and podcast channel. We are back with another match preview. This week, we turn our attention to the away game against Arsenal. I'm Scott, I'm your host for this one. And this week, we are joined by Joe, Matty and Daryl. We're going to talk about, like I said, the Arsenal game. But before we do that, here's a little word from our sponsor, Magpin. The Gallagher Shots Match Preview is brought to you by Magpin. Magpin are the go-to site for high-quality, unofficial enamel pin badges of Newcastle United players, legends and retro kits. For more information, visit their website at magpinbadges.bigcartel.com. Yeah, so like I said, match preview for the Arsenal game, Saturday 24th of February, 8 o'clock kickoff. Under the lights at the Emirates. Uh, I'm assuming it's on one of the sports channels in the UK. I actually didn't look. Um, but TNT. the fact it's a late kickoff, it'll be on one of the two. TNT. Mm-hmm. TNT. There you mm-hmm. go. Um, Arsenal are doing too bad this season. Uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> in the league. Not again. Points. So uh, I think that's safe from relegation this year. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, no. 17 wins, four defeats, and four draws. Uh, they're on a plus 38 goal difference. Uh, that's 58 goals scored and 22 conceded. Uh, the last five, five wins. Uh, th- those wins came against Burnley, Palace, Forest, West Ham and Liverpool. Um, and in those last five games, they actually improved their goal difference by 19 goals. Uh, that was 24, 21 scored and only two conceded. And uh, that is the first time in the club history that they've won their first five league games in the start of a calendar year. So let's break that duck. Let's make them not win their first six games in the calendar year. And uh, let's see if we can get any from there. Uh, so before we get into the good stuff, here's some little pre-match insights that I've prepared. The sort of thing that you might hear a commentator say when the games get a bit boring. Um, first one is Arsenal run beaten in their last 11 Premier League home games against Newcastle. I'm sorry for bringing that up. Uh, the last home defeat was November 2010. Um, however, if we do win, this will be the o- this will only be the second Premier League double against Arsenal. Uh, does anybody know when the last one was? I'm going to say Ooh, maybe 93-94. Oh, close. 94-95. Mm. Um However, Arsenal have failed to score in three of the last four Newcastle Premier League games. Uh, however, they have kept 30 clean sheets against Newcastle in the Premier League, which is the most any side has kept against another team in the Premier League. So they do hold a record. So nil-nil um, <laughs> draws all round. Uh, is what we're going to be going for. Um, and Newcastle's record in the Premier League against Arsenal, uh, home and away, they've played 57, they've won 12, they've lost 34, and they've drew 11. So, I've said enough. I'm going to shut up for a little bit. Daryl, you're going to take us through the last time we played Arsenal. Yeah, so, 
In terms of reverse fixture in this season, obviously we may remember on the 4th of November that we beat Arsenal 1-0 at St James's Park. Thank you to Anthony Gordon for coming up with the winner. Um, I was in the privileged position to see a couple of the uh, Arsenal officials first-hand losing the plot upstairs after the game. Um, that was quite funny. In fact, I think a lot of Arsenal fans were losing the plot after that game because we all know about the situation with the, the offside, the foul or whatever it was that led to that goal. Um, but we're not complaining and we'll take the three points. Thank you very much. They still are, um, apparently. It's been yeah, days. very bitter. God, oh, too many, too many. Um, and if we go to the last time out with the Emirates, as you hinted before, Scott, was a nil-nil draw and that was last January. Uh, that was on an evening kickoff on Sky. Um, some interesting facts to come up from that game. In in that particular game itself, we were the first team to stop Arsenal winning at home and scoring anywhere in the 2022-23 season. So we ended their winning streak at the Emirates. Um, and we, like I say, we also stopped them scoring in every game. Um, so that result for Newcastle ended a run of 11 successive League and Cup defeats in North London. Um, but our wait for a goal continues. And that wait currently extends to 657 Premier League minutes since Ayose Perez scored in a game that I was at in December 2014, which was a 4-1 loss. Um, in terms of just with Newcastle at the Arsenal, you mentioned the overall Premier League record, Scott, so we'll break it down into games at the Emirates and yeah. at the Old Highbury. Um, in the Premier League, we have 28 games played, four wins, three draws, and sadly, 21 losses. Um, biggest win that we've had down at the Old Highbury was a 3-1 win back in 2001-2. That put us top of the Premier League at Christmas, if I remember rightly, back in those halcyon days of Bobby Robson's boys. Um, biggest loss came in the 2012-13 season. Some may remember it was a 3-7 well, win for Arsenal in that game. I think Theo Walcott might have scored something stupid like four goals in that game. Um, and then obviously our last win, which as you mentioned, was 2010-11. Can you remember the goal scorer? Andy Carroll. Top man, uh, top man there. Matty, Andy Carroll got that goal in the win. I think they got one sent off as well. Mm -hmm. on. Now Ranger yeah. gets it, dragged down. Any, remember it well, we have to. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Cling on to that hope. Yeah. Well, Matty, yeah, so you were... Uh, <laughs> you have been you have been looking at the opposition. Um, you're going to give us a little bit of a an overview of Arsenal, and 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 you know apparently they're they're, they're pretty good. I think they're going to be all right this season, like you alluded to, Scott. I think uh, yeah. we can right now where we are in the season. I think maybe that their fans are in whispered voices in in certain corners anyway, are, are seeing them as proper title contenders, and and so they should. Um, yeah. They have it in them very much, sort of at least run City close. This moment in time, they're sort of kicking around just under City in third. Um, but I really do feel like if if they keep that consistency, and that's key, I guess, in any with any football, any title challenge, that they can they can be in there or thereabouts. And I think any sort of neutral football fan wants them to be there just to keep things interesting. But we don't want them to, to keep that consistency on Saturday and they can kick on after that. Um, but like you said as well, though, they're just scoring a lot of goals, especially recently. 21 goals in the last five games. That included a win against the current league leaders, which are Liverpool. Um, yeah. But 11 goals in the last two games. It's not exactly a great time to be playing. If there is ever anyone to play when you're Newcastle playing Arsenal. Um, I know we like to single out players and would be stupid not to mention Bakayo Saka, 12 goals, 7 assists 
in the league that is, and there's all the stuff he's done in the Champions League as well. Um, he's been tremendous, but they've scored goals from pretty much all over the park this season. They've got 58 goals, joined second in the league for goals scored, and that's spread across 15 different scorers, which is the joint third in that particular table in the Premier League. Does anyone want to have a fun little guess at who's who's first with the most different scorers in the league? Mm. Mm. This guy. Just you. Just, just me. You. Just me. Sure. I am Matt Ritchie. Sure. <laughs> but that was that is Newcastle United. So with 17, I'm whopping 17 different scorers in the league this season. But like I said, they score goals, and that was evidenced in the last two games. A six-goal haul and a five-goal haul. But you look at what happened. Saka's causing havoc. He's cutting in from the right. He's also making runs in behind. You've got goals from midfield as well as assists. You've got Odegaard there, who's one of the classiest players in the Premier League right now. You look at that goal he scored against Burnley with an absolutely lovely arrowed finish. And then you've got the £100 million man in Declan Rice, who's doing more than just coming in to break up play and put his, his stomping his, um, his sort of assertiveness on the on the game. He's, he's getting assists and he's getting worldy goals like he did uh, last week. And, and then you look at the set-piece threat they've got as well with that delivery from Declan Rice that he started doing in the last few weeks with Saliba and Gabriel getting goals this season. And it's just really... Um, that's not even mentioning the rest, but safe to say we've probably got our work cut out for us and then some. But a little a little word as well on the managerial situation. Let's not forget Mikel Arteta. He had that lovely honeymoon period with Arsenal, if you want to call it that. Got them a couple of FA Cups, got them sort of contending at the right top, at the top end of the table again, instead of just sort of meandering in the sixth and seventh places. But then the wheels fell off a little bit. And I, I think... I, I, I don't want to speak for all Arsenal fans, and I'm not going to say a certain sector of Arsenal fans, which you know what I'm going to, I'm not going to mention them, but you know who I mean. That that, that loud bunch <laughs> that we see on social media sometimes. Mm. I felt it was a bit louder than that. I felt mm. a lot of the people were wanting our tether out. I think it wasn't unanimous, but it certainly wasn't a small minority. And it's funny how when a manager's good, if you just keep some faith with them, keep the trust in them. You can turn things round and look look at the faith. It's, it's, it's paying tenfold now. Um, so yeah, uh, Arsenal um, through a really you know a short answer are a very good team, Scott. A very very good team. And like I said, work cut out for us. Not only mention history not on being on our side. Current form isn't either, and neither is the head to head or the game being played on paper, as some people like to say. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, looking it's forward to this one. With the Arteta stuff, it seemed to go a little bit further than social media. It, it, it was almost like the media wanted Arteta. Yeah, they sort gone. of drove it. And, yeah. and I, yeah. I, I was listening to the radio the other day and, and someone was mentioning about how Arteta had turned it round and how certain Arsenal fans were eating humble pie, even though it's a very tasty humble pie to eat, I'm sure, for mm-hmm. them. They won't be asked. But um, some some fans said, like, oh, I don't think that was the case. And I, I think outside looking at it, I know it's easy for us to, you know, mm-hmm judge other fan bases and people have done it to us in the past. But I think it was more than just a small vocal minority. Yeah. I think it was, I don't think, like I said, it wasn't the minority, uh, the majority, but I still think there was a, a loud section of fans saying, we're done with them, we want to change and we want them out. So I think, yeah, it's they won't be that bothered about being wrong because of the success that he's bringing. But again, it's it's just like I said, it's it sort of shows when you've got a class manager, stick with them, don't, don't, don't yeah. um, shoot from the hip, so to speak. I think it's helped that they've bought well. I think the past 100%, couple of, 100%, the past yeah. couple of signings have been they've just hit the ground running. Like obviously Declan a, Rice. I mean, a young he spent hundred million yeah. on Declan Rice. He's got to he's yeah. got to hit the ground running. Well, what's great is that was, was, he was a bit shaky to begin with, but he's he's now yeah, yeah. embedded he's in off, that. Yeah. Back of a good season for Arsenal though. Like he wasn't yeah. there last season, and he says his yeah. debut season. Like it's not like the bottom and suddenly got good. 
you know, mm. he, you bought him to kick foot, kick on, so they've mm-hmm. repaid the faith, the shown faith, and that. And you know, and when you're bringing in the likes of Leandro Trossard, he came last season, but it was halfway through the season, and that's mm-hmm. again another signing, great option off the bench. Again, sometimes if he starts, so they're really building a good squad at Arsenal, and again, kissing the backsides a little bit. They're an amazing team, and yeah, it's not making me feel any better. Saturday night. <laughs> well, one person that they have brought in, and I think Joe, you're going to touch on it, is uh, Martin Odegaard, um, mm-hmm. and you're going to do a little compa- comparison uh, with him to uh, to one of our own, uh, quite literally one of our own. Quite literally one of our own. Yeah, I'm going to look at the midfield battle between Lewis Miley and Odegaard. Um, so yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that with Miley, we've seen him play. As, uh, as as an eight for a lot of the time, but he's had a slight change in in his role and in his uh, position in the team recently, and we're going to have a look at that and how that potentially lines up with Odegaard's attacking threat for for Arsenal. So as I said, Miley, we know he's started, uh, he's played for us fourteen times this season, really as an eight for the most part, and. What that's shown is, um, you know, a healthy balance between attacking and defending where need be. And to to help illustrate that, I'm going to take his um, heat map from the game against uh, Luton, the recent one at home. And for those who are listening on audio, don't worry. I'm going to be explaining everything as I go. But what we see with the heat map with uh, with Miley against Luton is obviously he was playing on the left that day. And it showed that nice balance between attack and defence. You could see. He was getting along the wings and obviously helping the likes of Gordon quite a lot. If you remember, that was when he was playing that almost inverted role to help uh, attack that space whilst Gordon was was playing out, um, as as well as um, as I think Barnes also was playing at that time. But yeah, so Miley was playing a bit more of an attacking role that time. But now that didn't really help with his defensive stats. So this season, on average, uh, Miley per game has only been hitting. 0.5 interceptions per game and just over two tackles per game, which for a midfielder in your three isn't exactly uh, outstanding stats. Obviously, that's uh, helped a lot by the fact that Bruno was playing on that deeper role and was obviously uh, doing that more supportive defensive role. In terms of the duels that he won, I mean, he was winning just over half of his ground and aerial duels. It was just over three ground duels and even less than one aerial duel that he won per match. So when you think of that sort of uh, that that role, he wasn't really playing much in terms of a defensive capability. But what we've seen recently against Forest to an extent away, but then more prominently against Bournemouth at home recently, is that change into that slightly deeper sticks role, which allowed Bruno to go further up the field. And naturally, what that's done is improve his defensive game significantly. Now, what I'm going to do is bring up Miley's heat map against Bournemouth for a comparison. And what we can see is naturally that more solid defensive display within our final third. And what I find quite interesting is if you look at the map, even though he's playing at the centre of that three, he does shift slightly towards that left-hand side. And I think, I think it's fair to say, because he was helping a little bit more with that uh, that cover with Dan Byrne, uh, whilst uh, whilst Bournemouth were sort of targeting our, our left-hand side. And I think it's probably fair to say that Arsenal will be doing something very similar, especially when you've got the likes of Saka and Odegaard on that right-hand side. 
who are clearly a, a significant threat. But what that's done for Miley's game is that that for for Bournemouth, he had two interceptions and six tackles for that game, which is pretty much that's what, like three, four times what he was averaging um, this season. He also won nine out of his 12 ground duels and th- all three of his aerial duels. So he's clearly showing some significant defensive improvement whilst playing as that sixth role. So what does that mean for Saturday against Martin Odegaard? So we're going to move on to Odegaard and how how he likes to play. He plays on the right of that three and he loves attacking that space just in front of our left-hand side of the box, so his attacking right. And if you bring up his heat map, I'm going to look at his game against West Ham as a really good example of this, where they recently won 6-0 and he was responsible for two assists in that. If we look at his heat map and compare that to Miley's against Bournemouth, what we see is that where Odegaard likes to attack that space is pretty much exactly overlapping where Miley was supporting in that defensive role. And no doubt that he's going to have his hands full trying to deal with that Odegaard attack. Now, how does Odegaard like to play? Well, he obviously likes a lot of touches. He averages 50 touches per game uh, this season, and he's got a really high accurate, um, passing accuracy within the opponent's half of over 81%. So, you know, he loves getting those balls out the likes of Saka on the right-hand side or even Trossard if he's playing as that nine in the middle. Again, we saw it against uh, West Ham where he was able to sort of just feed them in quite easily when he was uh, gifted that space. Um now, how Arsenal like to do this is usually by having the likes of Declan Rice or sometimes even inverting Ben White in to cover that space in the defensive third, pick the ball up and then pass that into Odegaard who does drift into that space on his attacking right-hand side or left-hand side. So what does that mean? Well, Miley's, Miley's really going to have to uh, be on the front foot and make sure that he doesn't allow Odegaard the space and the time to, to get his head up and to pick those passes or if he is tucked in a little bit more, needs to intercept those passing lanes to avoid an easy tap-in by the likes of either Saka or Trossard. So it's going to be difficult. He's going to have his hands full, especially covering with, uh, assuming Dan Burns going to start as well. But I think given his performance against Bournemouth, he's shown that he's capable and I think he has a real potential to uh, to have a good game. So be really, really good, interesting battle to see between the two of them. Yeah, it's... um... It's gonna be, it's gonna be a hell of a slog if he does. St- <laughs> if, he, if he is covering against Martin Overgaard, it's gonna be literally dropping him in at the deep end against Arsenal at the Emirates. That's gonna be, that is gonna be a, a fun one to watch for for all involved. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be uh, watching that through uh, through my hands or if it's gonna be a, a nice one to watch. I think for the neutrals, it's gonna be. Yeah, awful, we'll but, have to try and oh, kick no. him. Have to try and kick him down the Holloway Road. I think. Well, this is yeah. it. Yeah, I mean that's a thing, isn't it? Because Miley's not really. He only had one yellow card, I believe, against Liverpool. And with this deeper role, he's really going to have to learn to be a bit of a shit house and to take those tactical yellows when he needs to, especially with Bruno being on nine. Mm. Well, thanks for that, Joe. We'll turn our attentions now to the injuries, and we'll 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 talk about both teams. I don't think there's any new injuries for Newcastle. I think. Again, we are doing this before Eddie House Presser, as always. Um, and I do want to do the caveat that we are doing this whilst I think Arsenal are playing 
tonight. So there could be mm. new injuries that come up um, by the time this goes out. Uh, they are playing in the Champions League, of course. Uh, Hopefully not. God, otherwise, it's a small one. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, my sake. Well, <laughs> what a waste of time. My, exactly. Um, <laughs> on the list, there are a few on the list that are due back and are probably going to be fit for our games. So I've left them off, and that was I think Gabriel Jesus. And um, I've left them off the list, so I can't even remember. There's somebody else who's due back tonight or at the weekend. But the three on the list that I've got is uh, Timber, Zinchenko and Tomiyasu, who I think are, are guaranteed to not be playing uh, at the weekend. Um, Newcastle, like I said, there's no new injuries, but there is the discussion about players potentially returning for Newcastle. And that is the news that we got, I think, at the start of this week, that Willock and Isak have both been back at training. Now, the argument is, and I'll come to you, Matty, on this one, do you even involve them at all, or do you just say, do you know what? Yes, you might be back, but do you even risk them? Do you do you just say, have another week, get yourself back to a bit more fitness, and we'll just go again with the team that we've, we started last weekend? Um, I guess that all depends, really. It all depends on the state that they're in. Because if if they are in, you know, ready for minutes, then give them minutes if they can get get them in. I mean, look, whether you think it's a thankless task on the Emirates, which we all pretty much do, like you know, it's still match minutes, and you can be as fit as you want to be or ready to play, but match minutes are, are what you need. And uh, I think. Eddie Howe's just going to probably think, well, well, they're obviously not going to start. I don't think Isak no. or, or, or Willock are going to start. But even if we are getting beat or getting beat handsomely, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're on the bench to let them come on for 10 minutes if they can do. Because it just, it's just sort of a way to ease them. In. And you'll yeah. be in their ear saying you don't have to go crazy, don't go mental, just just get a feel for the ball, get used to being playing football again. Uh, the two, obviously, two players that we are desperate to have back fit and firing, mm-hmm. Willock. I think in that short space of time that he came back into the side, although it was only in a couple of games, just showed exactly what he can do. My personal opinion, he's still one of the best ball carriers uh, that we've had in a while and the best one, certainly, in the squad right now. Um, and obviously, Alexander Isak is, is our man in front of goal and that's what we've been missing. So, yeah, want to get them back as soon as possible. Definitely want to keep them fit. And I think getting minutes in the legs, whether it's against Arsenal or anyone else, is, is important. But I understand the risks, but... I think any any games are risks to, to play them in as you as you get them back to full fitness. So all depends on how fit they are, Scott. And, and if they are ready for 10 minutes here and there, why not bring them on, no matter the score? Yeah, obviously, Daryl, these games also have a tendency to get a bit feisty. Um, if there's tackles flying in left, right, and centre, as you know, sometimes they do against Arsenal. Um, do you maybe protect these players if if it is getting to you know the 60, 70, 80th minute and maybe it is nil-nil, um, you know. Where a lot of people would want to go for the win, if there are some, you know, nasty tackles going in, maybe you just think, Do you know what, I don't want to risk your Achilles again, Willick. You're not coming on. <laughs> Where maybe they had that planned, do you maybe protect them at that point? Yeah, I think so. But as well, you have to think about it in, in that scenario where the game does get a bit icy. That we don't have to think about protecting the legs of your Bruno's if he's on the verge of getting exactly. a yellow card. Do we do we bring him off and maybe, you know what it is. The one thing about having those boys back in the squad, especially Joe Willock, is it just adds a bit of crucial depth that we're missing from that midfield and an extra option. And I think, if anything, during the game, that might be a change that we see, especially if it's getting a bit too much in the middle with those tackles. And I think it'd be nice to see Willock just come on and get those minutes. But then, you know, you have to say, Joe White didn't really do much wrong when he came on against Bournemouth. As much as it's a True. 
it's a bit of an arena to put him in for his second start for the first team. Um, but, you know, for me, I think if, you know, looking slightly ahead and thinking out of the two, I would probably see Isaac start and Willock on the bench. Because I feel like we missed the, the influence of a central striker, a natural striker against Bournemouth. Yeah, and I think the other thing you've got to also bear in mind is we do have a game on Tuesday. So it's it's yeah. there is that option as well of maybe you can give one a 30 minutes and, and another one some minutes on Tuesday or vice versa. But then you also, you know, the, the risk that I said there, you know, Blackburn will totally be up for it um, on, mm-hmm. on Tuesday because it's FA Cup fifth round and there's a, you know, there's a, a quarter final to to play for. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of, maybe you can't account for any of that and you've just got to play the players that are available to you as, as we all know because you know, we haven't had players available to us for so long. Um, we'll move on to our new favourite feature and that is Ref Watch. Daryl, mate. You've prepared us some lovely statistics for the the person in charge, the, the person with the whistle uh, is what we're going to call them. Um, take it <laughs> away, my friend. Okay, so the appointment to the game on Saturday night this week is Paul Tierney from Wigan in Greater Manchester, almost Joe's neck of the woods, maybe just a little bit further east from him. Um, so it's his first appointment to, to an NUFC game this season. We haven't seen him referee one of our games since the away win at Nottingham Forest all the way back in last March. Um, a game that we will remember for a VAR decision that ruled out a perfectly fine Elliot Anderson goal, but also then led to the ninth, well, the stoppage time penalty that Alexander Isaac put away after Kieran Trippier famously now kept hold of the ball until the very last second before handing it over to Isaac to bury it and get the winner after. He had put us in front in that game with a sublime finish with his shin in the opposite corner right at the end of the first half. Um, so for Paul Tierney's stats for this season, he has officiated 16 Premier League games, three red cards and 54 yellow cards. So he's averaging just over three yellow cards a game. Where have we heard that before? Um, we might remember that from the last match preview when we talked about Michael Salisbury, who was averaging about three yellow cards a game, and that who also, the by the way, if I remember rightly, hadn't refereed a Newcastle game either all season yes, and had a, a brilliant time, yeah. performance. Um, <laughs> no, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, I'll, I've got a few little bits dropped around here, and I'll come into the something that I found this afternoon when I was doing this research for this, and it's um, it's percentages for Paul Taney and in all of the 16 games that he's he's officiated in the Premier League this season 25% home wins 43.8% away wins and 31.2% for draws so really he sort of favours the away team in these games which is a bit strange although I seem to remember on a few occasions other referees coming to St James's Park and you'd be able to say well that's exactly how it is because we never get anything from many referees they always seem to give the away team the benefit of the doubt and all that. So um, the other thing to note with um, Paul Tierney, he is currently tied in second place for the most games officiated in the Premier League this season. He's tied on 16 with um, a lad called Tim Robinson and our very own Michael Oliver. And they are all three behind the leader of the pack that we had recently. And that's Anthony Taylor, who is way out in front on 19 games refereed this season. 
Um, just to add on to those little stats that we had for the Premier League, he has refereed one game in the Championship this season and also one um, League Cup game. And in both of those games, he issued four yellow cards. So he is sort of averaging about right for, for his games this season. So that probably means he'll either give out none or he'll probably just give us all yellow cards and not do anything for the Arsenal, maybe. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so he's it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. He, he seems to manage his games quite well. But again, it depends how card happy, I suppose, he gets. Um, like we say, it didn't work when we tried to do Michael Sauls. We're saying he would only issue three and then it took him the best part of, what, 34 minutes to issue one when he could have issued either two or three before that point. And then he ended up issuing four in the game. So it was just slightly above his average. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, let's hope we don't get a repeat performance from last weekend with the referees. Please no. Uh, no, please. Honking. Um, anyway, we'll move <laughs> on to our predictions. Uh, Joe, mate, I'm going to come to you mm-hmm. for your prediction first this week because uh, Matty hates it when I come with him first. So, uh, Joe, <laughs> I'll, come, I'll come with you for your prediction first. No, it's fine. I'll come straight in with the positivity, shall I? Nah, I think it's going to be it's, it's really difficult, man. The Emirates is the Emirates. Arsenal flying high, and you know what it is. Even if we do get tanked, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, okay, it'll like a better performance, but. This isn't going to be the metric that we base the season from. I don't want to go as far as to say it's a free hit because we have shown that we can get something from the Emirates, you know. But yeah, I, I don't see it this time around. Um, I think it could be a three 0 loss, and that's okay. I mean, it's not. I don't know. I'm happy with it. But if we did get tank three 0 it's it's Arsenal and the flying eye, and we are struggling defensively right now. But I'm really hoping to prove me wrong because I would love to see us get anything from the Emirates. But yeah, I'm going to say a 3-0 loss and we move on. Okay, then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. it's fine. I've got a it's feeling I might be the most positive uh, positive result. Uh, with, with I mean, you, you still could be. We, we've only heard one. Might Maddie, be. Mate. Might be. <laughs> Well, yeah, I just copy and paste Joe's answer, to be honest. I mean, um, I'd like to echo very much so that whatever happens on Saturday is not the end of the world. Um, I know I haven't been on this podcast for a little while now, and a lot's happened in the last in the space of time since the last time I was on it. But I just feel like the 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 negativity surrounding Newcastle United now right now is 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 fermenting, it's growing, it's um it's not you know over overcoming us or, or being net we're not a negative like fan base or anything like that. But I was leaving the ground on 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 Saturday and I could hear little murmurings of little whispers of oh I think Eddie Howe's gonna only have a little Christmas next year and oh we need to clear out. Where's like clear out and, and doubt in the manager? Mm. I just um it baffles me, man. It really, it really, really does. It breaks my heart, and it's something. It's one of the reasons why I try to take a step back from the loud noises of social media because it can become a bit overbearing sometimes. Because if one thing this team's taught me, uh, it's uh, and I know a lot of people hate this word, and they might kick off at me in the comments section or whatever. But it's one thing that this team, and even someone like Joel Linton, has taught me is is its perspective and to really have faith in the players that are in your team. I know you can still criticise, and 100%, of course you can. You can finish a game and say, wow, he was shite today. But it's the it's the sort of level in which we do it. I think um, these lads have bought themselves more than just time. They should have bought themselves respect in everyone's sort of in views of them because of what they've managed to do in such a short space of time. 
Um, I've mentioned before about the good being judged at a totally different level to the bad. The bad seems to just be you do one bad thing, it rewrites six good things yeah. in the past. And in such a short space of time, there's players there who are getting told they need to get out of the team. They're nowhere near good enough and all this. Now, I'm not saying that the players to take us forward to that next level, but that next level is not going to arrive anytime soon. There's going to be, it's a very short growth. It's a very, sorry, it's a very long sort of growth plan that we've got going. And it doesn't help when the likes of Dan Ashworth are leaving and stuff like that, but that's just football. Um, but I guess uh, I'm in a roundabout way saying we're going to get B3 now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, what I'm saying is it's the way that we as a fan base and a football club react to it just know that you've got a manager there who's, who's going to try and right the wrongs um, I know there's a and we won't open this kind of worms but there's there's certain selection um, um, doubts around one or two players preferably uh, certainly one who, who makes up a part of our defence but I just feel like there's a reason he's there and there's certainly a lot more he offers other than just holding that left-back position. Um, but who knows, someone else might take his place. Um, but I do. I just can't see us having enough to stop Arsenal in the form that they're in. But who knows, because we have, to a man, we, we are a good a good football side, a good, a good side who can get results. We've beat Arsenal already once this season. I'll be yeah. under certainly, you know, contentious circumstances. Not in my eyes. It was a clear-cut goal. But, um, you know, we played well that game. So, we'll see what happens. But I do feel that it's it's likely we, we get beat and probably quite comfortably. But we just move on and we try to, you know, do as, as good as we can this season, given we're in crazy circumstances with all these injuries and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'll go 2-0 to be optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> you've well, you've I, left the comment I, section I, to me, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're throwing you under the bus, I speak, Joel. No, um, I, 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 I think we'll get a goal. I, I don't think it'll be. I don't think Arsenal will keep a clean sheet. Um, I, I think, I, I, I think we'll get a goal from a set piece. Uh, I don't think because I, I, I don't think I don't think Isak will start, and I think it'll be a bit like last week where. We're going to be relying on Anthony Gordon playing down the middle, and it'll be either Murphy and in Barnes, or it'll be Miggy and Barnes uh, playing on the wing. So I, mm. I don't think we're going to have a lot going forward from that perspective. But I think set pieces will be where we'll maybe be able to nick it, and I think it's going to be a bit of a dirty game. And I think that'll be from us forcing that hand and maybe frustrate, frustrating Arsenal a little bit, and and getting them to show their dirtier side. Especially in the midfield, that they have a tendency to leave a foot in every now and again, and 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 I think you know we can get under their skin. We've shown it a few times in different games, so I'm going to go. I still think we're going to get beat. I think it'll be a two-one defeat, um, but I think it'll it's it's going to be one of them awful games where I think we're going to hold our own for a lot of the game, and it's going to be one oh, all. The one where they dangle the carrot. And it's going to be a dangler, and then eighty-five minutes. I think it's going to be, you know, they're just going to nick it with a, you know, Gabriel Jesus goal right at the end, Um, and it's going to be horrible. But I think that's how it's going to go down. Um, It's going to be awful. It's going to be a horrible social media fest at the end of it as well. Um, You know, you're going to get all that on on the socials afterwards. But I just that's how I see it going. Um, I'm going to go for a. A Botman goal as well, just to, from a header from a from Spicy. a set piece. Um, mm. But I, I, that's how I see it going. Um, two one. Uh, Daryl, mate, 
finish us off with a nice winning prediction. No, <laughs> prediction of you want to tell me. <laughs> well, be the hero, Carol. Con- considering considering this is my fifth visit to the Emirates, and in the previous four games, I've seen a four-one loss, a one-nil loss, a four-nil loss, and a two-nil loss. So I've not got a great record down there myself. Um, it's your fault. I tend to agree it's with you. I think we might. Hey, maybe. I tend to think that we might be able to nick one just because we are capable of scoring goals at the minute. We are as out of everything that we've done, we can find the back of the net. Apart from, you know, it's it's something that we're quite good at doing in, in some way, shape, or form. We can find the back of the net. Um, a lot of this comes down to to me thinking about a potential tweak to the system as well. Um, I really think we'll stand a better chance of doing something down here in at the Emirates if if we go to a back five and took Burning as a third centre back and then use Tino and Trippier on either side. Um just to as much to protect Dan Byrne from the likes of Saka and Erdegaard, as much to help those two centre backs deal with the threat that Arsenal pose on the attack because they will flood forward and we'll need bodies in there to break these this team down. Um and again we have those players who can counter down the wings we have that pace um and i think it's probably going to end the 3-1 loss is going to be my prediction um like i say you kind of deny the quality that arsenal bring to the table they're just way up on another stratosphere at the minute you know we've mentioned the 11 goals in the previous two games you don't just stop that overnight they're going to be really riding a wave of momentum uh going into this game um but you know I also have a really concerning theory that Bruno might get that yellow card. That's I my think concern. That. I yeah. think that, yeah. I think I think you'll a, miss the Blackburn game, Money. That'll game. be his first. Yeah, his well, first do you know what? Get the, which is get probably the yellow card tomorrow on Saturday, yeah. sorry. That would be the worst you know idea. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Yeah, saying. The Blackburn game's an okay one to miss. Yeah, don't go out there and, mm. and just smash someone for the sake of smashing them, but. It's not. You are right, Scott. It's like a sort of. I don't know who who'd end up playing there on 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 Tuesday if it well, does happen. Do I mean, well, Willick maybe. Bit, yeah. Lewis Hall maybe. But um, I mean, there is options. <laughs> I thought you said boom song there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but the fact he showed, showed a little bit. Of, <laughs> he showed a little bit of faith in Joe White the other night as well. So. Yeah. Um, who, yeah. who obviously, you know, we didn't get a chance to really show much. I even wasn't think shying Lewis away from the Hall ball. can play in the middle. Well, I'm that's sure what I'm saying. Yeah, just... for, um, for Chelsea. So it's a, it's a very yeah. good observation that as much as it gets, if it does get bitey, I mean, what that being said, it's a, it's a two match ban, though, isn't it? It's yeah, it's a, two match. The important it's thing, the important thing as well to, to mention from this is, like Matty said, is not to, you know, think it's the end of the world if this result doesn't go our way because in just a few days later we have a chance to redeem ourselves and reverse that moment like negative momentum so to speak by going to Blackburn and getting a result there instead. Look at the different kettle of fish it's not Blackburn away you know you know Blackburn away is so much more important than Sunderland. Um but you know <laughs> Just trying to put that out there, money joke. And um, but like that Sunderland game, you know, we win, and I know they've still had those um underwhelming performances against Luton and Bournemouth, but effectively we've been unbeaten since then. Um, and we've put in some good performances away from home, especially. So I mean that villa game, not to go back too far, we were expecting absolutely nothing from that game. Mm-hmm. And no. that's a villa side who's give Arsenal a lot of 
trouble this season as well when they played at Villa Park. So it, again, not to use the cliche, but it's one one match. Anything can happen, and I do now thinking about it. Think that maybe Scott's uh, theory of a, of a set piece troubling them, uh, given you know that's how we scored our first goal at Villa, and and then the second one effectively in the first goal at Notts Forest. We could maybe cause them some trouble, but they've got some big lads at the back and all that stuff. But yeah, it's I'm trying to give myself a bit of false hope here. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it's far too intoxicating. What, what you're telling me, Matt, is you want to change prediction. Yes. <laughs> three one. <laughs> Good lad. Good lad. Yeah, yeah. Three one. So if, if anyone's wondering, Joe's Twitter is at guitarman Jordy. Uh, and if you want to tell them, it's not. It's not. You're going to have um, some poor random bloke abuse. <laughs> He's going to yeah, think, no, it's, it's not his Twitter account. Um, no. Um, we'll draw a line under this one, lads. Thanks very much for uh, for joining us, lads. It's, I've enjoyed this one. Um, if you've liked this content, please let us know in the comments below what your prediction is. If you think we've missed anything, I don't know if we have because we've been going for nearly 40. Well, we've been going for 40 minutes, lads. Uh, this has been a good one. Uh, but if you're down there, leaving us a comment, leaving us a prediction, while you're there, just hit the little thumbs up. This gets this video into the feeds of other Newcastle and Arsenal fans. And if you are an Arsenal fan watching, have we done your team justice? Let us know in the comments below. And while you're down there, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell uh, to be notified when new videos go live. We have a whole host of content on the channel. Uh, there's a FIFA Clubs video live on the channel for anyone who likes that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, we've got match previews, match reactions, all with Smile on Faces podcast. And for all you audio listeners, uh, there is a new episode of Canny Chatter that went live yesterday. Uh, we're talking about officials, blue cards, VAR decisions, hangover foods, and we even do a nice little thing of uh, Newcastle players working in a garden centre right at the end. Uh, you'll have to listen to find out what that's all about. Um, if you want to go one step further than being a subscriber, we do have a membership program. It's $2.99 a month. That gets you early access to videos like this one, as well as access to the Telegram group. Um, boys, thanks for this one. I've enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, whatever's left of it. And uh, we will see you all in the next one. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 Podcast Network.